Welcome to Scanner School. This is session number 150 of the podcast, Ask Scanner School, volume 26. All the session notes can be found on our website at scannerschool.com slash session 150. Before we start this week's podcast, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Patreon is a month-to-month sponsorship platform. We have three different support tiers, each with different benefits. But the most valuable tier is our $5 a month tier. This equates to sponsoring the podcast for about a dollar per episode. Now, not only do our $5 Patreon supporters receive the podcast early, but they also receive a commercial-free version of the podcast delivered directly to their podcast player. Some may say that the included squelchy sticker pack that is mailed to your home is the best benefit of the $5 level, but I think it's the community or the club that is growing at this level. You see, we meet once a month on Zoom, and we have a roundtable discussion about scanning, ask questions, offer advice. Some of the members are answering other people's questions, and we just talk with our fellow scanner school classmates. This is an exclusive group for our $5 Patreon members. Now, again, if all this wasn't enough at that level, you'll also receive discounts to upcoming Scanner School courses and offerings. Now, you can help support Scanner School by going to www.scannerschool.com Patreon or www.scannerschool.com support. Now, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters at all levels, and they are Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Ed Walsh, Eddie Kay, Edward Dufour, Glenn Bryden, Guy Lee, Jackson Friedman, James Felling, James Peruta, Jeff Block, Jenny Taylor, Jim Heinrich, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Mark Thompson, Mark Beebe, Michael Kroger, Paul Teal, Raymond Hill, Richard Armstrong, Ronnie Bach, Sal Marandola, Signals Everywhere, Tim Mazza, Ten Glendai, and William R. Can. Now let's start the podcast. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger. My amateur radio call sign is W2LIE. If this is your first week joining us for class, or if you're a weekly listener, welcome to this week's podcast. Today, I am here to answer your scanner radio-related questions, which of course is one of the main reasons why I started Scanner School, because I love helping people with the scanner radio hobby. This is a great way for me to directly answer questions that have come in. They come in multiple different ways. They come in via email, either a contact form. They also come in via our speak pipe, which is basically a voicemail system that you can use from your computer or your tablet or your smartphone. And also we've got a local number, 516-308-2885. That number in the States goes right to a Google Voice line. I don't answer it. It doesn't even ring on my phone. It just goes straight to voicemail, just like a speak pipe. But again, this is my way of answering your questions. Again, you go to scannerschool.com slash ask for more information on how to submit your questions. Now, one of the benefits of submitting your question via speak pipe or, again, by our, using our local number is because if I air your question on the podcast, you're in the running for a free tutoring session. Now, again, these tutoring sessions are are great. They are done over Zoom, and it's like me sitting directly next to you, and we could do screen sharing, or, I mean, we can just interact as if we are sitting across the table from each other. And it's a really, really great way for me to help you out. Now, if you'd rather just purchase a tutoring session for an hour, again, they're very affordable. $47 in the U.S., for uh, the session, just come jump right on scannerschool.com slash tutoring, and uh, you can book a date and a time 
that works for the best of us, right for the form. And uh, all you got to do then is just wait for the Zoom invite to show up, basically. So don't forget tonight, too, if you're catching this session as it airs, the first Tuesday of every month is our Ask Sessions on YouTube and Facebook Live. So you can join us tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, scannerschool.com slash YouTube or scannerschool.com slash Facebook and maybe even scannerschool.com slash live. They should all work. They should all get you there somewhere. So whatever platform you prefer, you can go there. And if you are a Patreon Extra Credit supporter, don't forget, after our live session on Facebook and YouTube, you will also get our Extra Credit Club roundtable discussion. We talk about whatever is on our minds for about uh, 30 minutes to an hour long. And also, you guys can watch me do the uh, the YouTube session live on Zoom as well. And that's cool because there's no delay. So you guys are getting the ability to answer questions or let me know what's going on about 45 seconds to a minute before it actually shows up on YouTube. So to be part of the Extra Credit Club is uh, is really cool. So again, make sure you join us tonight on YouTube and Facebook. And if you're an Extra Credit member over on Zoom and check your Patreon dashboard for the link. So with that, let's go ahead and jump into our very first question that came in via our voicemail line. Hello, my name is Gregory. I have a Uniden BCD325P2. Is there anything I can do to keep the communication from breaking up when the dispatcher is speaking? All right, Gregory, we don't really have much information here to work on, unfortunately, but I'm going to run through some troubleshooting tips that I would give to anybody. I may ask a couple of questions virtually with you right now to see if you want to call back in and, and uh, we can we can get some more information out of you. So the first question is, is this a trunking setup or is this just plain Jane analog scanning, right? Are, are, you, are you on a trunk system or not? The second thing is, do you have something that's taking over or sampling for an alert. So for example, do you have priority turned on, right? Priority basically means that every two seconds or so, the scanner is going to go back to a priority channel or through your priority channels and see if there's any activity on those frequencies. Again, conventional. So that could be what's going on here. The other thing that could be going on as well is, do you have the weather alert set up on the scanner? Because again, the scan is going to go back every few seconds and look at the weather channel. It's going to scan through all seven, basically, I think. And it's going to see if there is any active weather alerts in your area. So again, if it's a Whistler uh, scanner, you would, I guess you would have a signal stalker. I don't know if it if it works the same way as you did. I got to double check on that one. I really only use close call on Uden's recently. I mean, I, I have a podcast coming up where I am going to put side by side the Whistler signal stalker versus the unit. In. in fact, I'm going to actually go ahead and record that in the next couple of days or so. So I'm getting ready to I have those radios charging right now as I'm recording this. And so that's one of the things you want to look at. All right. So let's summarize here again. Do you have priority turned on? Do you have the weather alert turned on? Do you have close call or signal stalker alert turned on? Are you on a trunking system or not? If you're on a trunking system, then maybe you are losing the voice channel and the scanner's going back in. Maybe you've got uh, P25 simulcast. And if you're in simulcast 
area and your scanner can't handle Summoncast, maybe it's catching it and then dropping out right away. Is it only happening with the dispatcher? Is it happening with other channels as well? Is it happening with just the dispatcher, but not the units replying to them in the field? Let's look at how the scanner is set up. Do you have your scanner's squelch set too high? What you want to do with the squelch is you want to turn that squelch all the way down until you hear it hissing, and then back it off just a little bit. So you've got a BCD325P2. So again, you've got a BNC antenna. So again, make sure that that antenna is fully on there. Are, is your antenna in good condition? Are you using an external antenna? Can you hear anything else? Again, are you having issues with general reception or just this one frequency or talk group? So there's a lot that's involved here with, uh, with trying to figure out what the problem could be. But I'm going to lean back on this one again and say, check your priority. Make sure, again, you see PRI on your screen. So again, it's a PRI on your screen. Again, I'm looking at it right now. You did say BCD325P2, not a Whistler. So uh, sorry for, for mentioning Whistler earlier in there. But yeah, you want to have PRI on the screen. You're going to want to make sure you don't have the close call bullseye on your screen. That's the C with the, with the circle around it or the hollow C. And you also don't want to have the WX in the corner of the screen. Those three things will basically keep cycling back and to see if, again, priority, if these are the priority channels that are in the area that are active, weather, if there's a weather alert going out, and the close call will check to see if anybody is local to you using a radio that the scanner can go in on. So those three things right there would be exactly what I'd look for right out of the gate. And hopefully one of those three helps you out. If not, feel free to call back in or hang on because you may have won a free tutoring session. We'll find out at the end of the podcast, though, because I do have one more question right now. Hello. This is Randy here in Thomasville, Georgia. We're trying to see why that Unicator 4 pager of 5, why it won't pick up Smart Zone on Sonicast on your Unicator 4 or the 5. They said don't, but can you answer that for me? Do it pick it up or not? Thank you. Hey, Randy, how you doing? Thank you so much for asking your question about the Unication G-Series pagers. Now, again, full disclosure here, I am a Unication dealer. I do own East Coast pagers. So, again, I know a lot about the Unication pager, and I'm here to answer this as a scanner radio enthusiast and not as a dealer. So, the Unication G-Series pagers, the G2s through G5s, do not support Motorola Type 2 systems. They only support... P25, Phase 1, and Phase 2, and conventional transmissions as well as analog. But there's a difference between smart zone, smart net, Type 2 systems, and P25, Type 1, and Type 2, which is basically Phase 1 and Phase 2 systems. Don't need to change them the way I just did, all right? Again, it's, it's, it's smart zone, smart net, Type 2, or P25, Phase one or phase two. So there's differences. There's different languages basically between them. When Unication created the G series pager, the G23, G5, everything that was public safety is, is kind of rolling over to P25. EDAX, LTR, Type 2 systems, these are all retired systems, right? They're, they are already been notifications sent out that these systems are end of life, they're retired. So 
it's not like a scanner radio where they've had these in development for quite some time. The scanner radio market b- between Whistler, Radio Shack, uh, GRE, Uniden, they've been in the market way longer than Unication has when it comes to you know what they're doing, what they're making commercially available. It's not to say Unication has been around for a while, but as far as making a product of their own, they're still pretty new into the game, right? And most scanners that support trunking are backwards compatible on the older systems because there's older systems out there. But the Unication product, the G-Series pager, is made for public safety as a commercial radio. It's, it wasn't introduced as a hobbyist type of radio, okay? So there's a bit of a difference between who their target audience is. Now, again, the Type 2 systems, the Smart Zones system, the Smart Net systems, they have a 3600 baud control channel. The voice channels, the trunking voice channels on those systems are typically in analog or they could be digital. But this is a hybrid model when they have digital talk groups on a type 2 system. It's kind of, it's a hybrid, okay? It's, it's the best way I'm going to be able to describe it right now. Whereas a P25 system has a 9600 baud control channel and it is strictly 100% digital, there is no analog on a P25 system. So the Unication product is completely incompatible with a Type 2 system. It doesn't know how to slow itself down and decode a 3600 baud control channel or even know the protocols on how to trunk a Type 2 system system. It was only built around P25 phase ones and phase two systems, as well as P25 conventional and analog conventional. And eventually they rolled out DMR type one and type two. Type one and type two for DMR can be thought of as conventional DMR. You can again, like P25 conventional, you could have talk groups on a single channel. The pager will not work on DMR trunking, such as Connect Plus, Capacity Plus, or Capacity max. So it is really basically to answer your question, Randy, it just doesn't know how to do it. It wasn't built into the specs of the pager. It absolutely will not work for you on a type two, a smart net or smart zone system. It will not work. It does not speak the language. All right. However, if you've got a P25 network, it'll work fine. And again, to clarify as well, A lot of people are buying the Unication G2 through G5 pagers because they work well in simulcast environments. You can have a simulcast setup on Type 2 systems. You can also have a simulcast setup on P25 systems. There is a huge difference between how radios work in both systems. Not only are they different languages when it comes to the type of language or protocols that it speaks, but it's different where the simulcast is in effect as well. So you would have radios that work fine in a simulcast environment for type 2 systems, but they don't work at all in P25 simulcast environments as well. All right, so long explanation short, it's just not built into the pager. A type 2 Motorola system will not work in there. Phase 2, phase 1 P25 though, that's a different. Make sure we get the naming correct on what things are. All right. Hopefully that helps you out and uh, good luck with winning a free consulting call or a tutoring session at the end of this podcast. We'll be right back. We got a couple more that came in via email and we'll answer those next. 
Did you know there are ways to help support the Scanner School podcast that doesn't take any time or any extra money on your part? If you go to scannerschool.com support, you will find we have several ways that you can continue to do your online shopping and help support us. We have links to Amazon. If you click on our link before you go to Amazon, anything you buy from there will help support Scanner School. Now, if you're in a market for a brand new scanner, an antenna, other accessories, we have links to Scanner Master, where you can not only purchase a scanner and accessories, but you can also get your radio programmed. And by clicking on our link before you buy, you are helping to support the podcast. Now, if you're in a market for software, we have links to Butel. And if you want something new to you, we also have links to eBay. Again, just go to scannerschool.com support before you make your purchases and you are helping to support Scanner School at no additional cost to you. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealer serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every Scanner Radio user should at least put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now, with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back to the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers, having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out of the box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 phase one and phase two in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR type one and type two. They are more rugged than today's consumer-based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, phil at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You're having problems understanding how it works? Maybe you're new to the entire Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel. Did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pioware or even just make some changes and you don't understand how the system and the equipment works? The podcast might be great for you, but maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely, and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com consulting for your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues too. So visit natcommag.com. Dot com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine.
So our first email question comes in from Jason. Now, Jason asked this via our Ask Scanner School form at scannerschool.com slash ask. And he says, hello, my name is Jason, and I've recently purchased a BCD996P2 scanner from Scanner Master. He lives in Westmoreland County, Pennsylvania, and his phone scanner picks up way more than his scanner does. And he gets some stuff, but mainly all police. So I'm going to just split right here. I'm going to say that, just to clarify, his phone, the scanner radio app on his phone, whatever he's using, is picking up more than just his scanner. All right. So to uh, continue with this question, I think an antenna would help, and that's the main issue. What do I need to do? Is this my first digital scanner? And he's always had analog scanners, so he does have an understanding on his scanners and how they work. So to I replied back to Jason, and I asked him if he had the following two systems in his scanner. There is a Westmoreland County conventional setup, which is a bunch of basically frequencies. And then finally, there's the i trunk system. Now, this i trunk system is a P25 phase two system. There's no simulcast listed in radio reference. Everything in here is kind of broken down into each individual sites or, uh, yeah, each, each of those sites. Now, again, we got to really clarify the difference between a site and transmitter locations. If you look at radio reference, you may see a list of sites listed there. One of them may be called simulcast. That doesn't mean there's one site there. It means there's several transmitter locations making up that one, air quotes here, site. We need to really clarify that because I know in the past that's been about as clear as mud. So these are the things we want to look at when we're trying to compare what our phone is doing versus what our actual scanner is doing. Now, remember, too, our scanner may be scanning things that is also on the phone, but the phone may be fine-tuned to only pick up maybe a dozen talk groups, maybe six talk groups. But your scanner is going through a conventional layout and going through trunking and maybe going through something else as well. And it may take time for that scanner to come back and cycle through those talk groups that are in the small scan list that is set up for that live scanner feed. Remember, live scanner feeds are really set up to be sometimes very specific as to what they are. So my first suggestion is to set up a scan list that mimics what you'd expect to hear in that live feed. The second thing is to make sure that you've got the same sites set up that are in the live feed. Now, again, when we look at this site or this trunk system, rather, in radio reference, I am counting out nine different transmitter sites. And these are in seven different counties, okay? nine sites, seven counties. The way the P25 works, it's really good with spectrum efficiency. If a radio is not associated with a particular site, that talk group may not show up there. It kind of all depends too on the back end with setup. But just because you put in maybe the Westmoreland West site doesn't mean you're going to hear every single talk group that is on the network. Because there might be something in Butler County, then there's no radios associated with that talk group that's being used in Butler County, and you're not hearing it in the Westmoreland trunk site. Okay. Now, again, some of these may be hard-coded to always be on both sides, but for the most part, if a radio is not associated 
a transmit radio, a end user is not registered on that site, there's no business for that talk group to even be there. Okay, let's think about it this way. I have in my county, we have a P25 site, and they're growing this site out now, right? There's a there's a 500 megahertz primary, there's a 500 megahertz north, they have a 700 north and a 700 south, and they have a 100 megahertz layer now. Okay, now these are all being built out, not everything is populated, and not everything is moving over. Why are they building this out like this? Because the EDAC system is end of life, and they're trying to move people over. Plus, they're also trying to make their lives easier because when they have one end box or one trunking controller, I'm trying to think of the exact word to use here, but they have got one controlling system that will operate now everything going on on all the layers. It makes it easier from the administration side. So if you have PD on 500 and nobody else in the police department has a 500 megahertz radio, you wouldn't expect to hear that torque group on 800, okay? Because there's no reason for it to be there. Whereas if somebody started deploying 800 megahertz radios to the police department, all of a sudden now you may find out that you've got it on the 800 and the 500 layer. Same holds true based on sites. We have a water district that's on the 500 megahertz system that's on the North Shore. We never hear that water district on the other 500 megahertz layer. Why? Because the water district is physically on the North Shore. They are not leaving that water district on the North Shore with their radios to come south. They have no business doing that. They're not going to do it. However, though, the police department is all over the place, and they've got radios associated on both sides, the north and the south. So the police department's talk groups are showing up on both sides, the north and the south end of the system. But like I said before, there's no business being them on 800 because they don't have 800 megahertz radios. You're not going to hear them on that system. Now, as I look closer at this system you've got here, I see that every single site here has 800 megahertz systems, except this Lawrence County one, which is on VHF. Does that mean anything? I don't know. But again, it's basically, unless you're going to be monitoring the particular site where that talk group is on, you may not hear the talk group. So do you? can you hear all nine sites? Do you expect to hear all the talk groups on whatever site you're listening to? Did you program in just one site or all the sites? So there's a lot going on here that, that really plays well with trying to understand how the system is laid out and understand where things are. This is where software applications like Unitrunk or DSD Plus or even now Trunk SDR, SDR Trunk rather, help you out because you can then see what's going on on the layers and see where all these talk groups are showing up. This is really one of those things you have to sit down there and start decoding and figuring out. Again, nothing here says simulcast. So I'm not expecting anything here to be a simulcast reasoning why you can't hear anything. But again, let's talk about it. it's a digital system. And digital is either all or nothing. Digital is going to mean you've got okay you know, decoding that things are coming in, that you don't have enough bit, you know, errors, and it can put the pieces together. But once you fall off that cliff and once – things go south on digital, there's there's not much there to put the conversation back together again, right? We all have digital cell phones now. Analog cell phones are gone. You know how it is. Either you're talking to somebody, you can hear them, or it's, and you can't make heads or tails as to what is going on. So, and the same is true, right? We watch digital, everything we watch on TV is digital now, and you can see, you know, things that maybe the, the voice gets out of sync really quick, or you lose the voice, or something like that. So, digital is just a whole nother ballgame here. But really, I am going to say that 
you're probably not hearing everything that's in the scanner because probably your scanner is doing more than just scanning what's on that phone app. And also, you may not be mimicking the phone app exactly. What I would suggest doing is going to Broadcastify and seeing if there's any information about exactly what talk groups they are scanning, maybe what sites they're scanning, and that information there may actually help you out. Because again, not all the talk groups are going to be on every single site. And that is one of these things we have to start to realize. Nothing directed at you, but this is just as a general, like this is how we have to start remembering that. When things are going digital now, we have to take what we've known for a long time and kind of start forgetting them. <laughs> it's, it's really the best way to describe that. So hopefully that helps you out, Jason, and uh, best of luck. And let us know how you do make out if you get this thing resolved. Thanks again for submitting your question. Okay, our next question comes in from Bob. Bob is saying, is it worth putting a scanner in your car if most of what you monitor is digital? Or am I opening myself up to getting frustrated? I keep hearing about antenna placement being critical and issues with simulcasts when you have a stationary setup. Uh, he's ruling out a unication pager since he wants to monitor different frequencies and different models. Thanks for all I do, Bob. All right, Bob, thank you very much. And again, Bob's question also came in via our scannerschool.com slash ask contact form. So, Bob, it could be completely worth putting a scanner in your car. Again, just check your local rules and regulations for that because every state county or town could be really different and i'm actually trying to put together a list of rules and make a podcast episode by that one and let me tell you what a pain in the neck it is to try and find all these rules <laughs> it's, it's almost impossible so let's start looking at things differently here antenna placement it is important right you want to have the antenna mounted to some place that is going to help the antenna perform properly for example if you've got a mag mount antenna, the antenna is going to expect to have a metal object underneath it. Why is that? Because your metal on the car acts as the second half of the antenna. The physical antenna that sticks out from the roof is only half of the equation. The metal acts as a mirror and it creates the second half of the antenna. This is why we even put things on cookie sheets or air conditioners or something like that when you use magnetic antennas in the home or outside. Antenna placement is also pretty important too because you want to have it on a nice flat surface. You don't want to have it someplace that is going to get banged around. Trunk lids are okay. You do what you have to do. I've used some diamond antennas and, and comet antennas where I've mounted them on the window. And uh, the diamond antenna I had used did not require a grounding, and it worked really well just mounted to the antenna. However, the diamond antenna, I, I'm sorry, the comet antenna I used, while it said did not require a grounding, had bad visoir on the bands I wanted to play around with. Now, Bob, I understand you know what that is because you wrote to me from an amateur radio address. So, but visoir basically stands for the um, standing wave ratio of the frequency you're trying to transmit into an antenna. And of course, if you've got bad visoire on the transmit, chances are your antenna is not tuned for the right frequency to receive either. What I ended up doing with that antenna is I ran a line from the ground side of the antenna and I ran that to a chassis bolt and that cleared things right up. So even though the box said no grounding required, yeah, it did require some grounding. So to answer your question, yes, antenna placement can be crucial. However, if you're operating in a simulcast environment, using P25, phase one or phase two, you may not even need an antenna on the outside of your car because some networks are built so that 
anybody can be anywhere in the county and use a portable radio. NYPD was built so that anybody with a portable can get into dispatch. They have voters all over the city that allow that to happen. They've got some key transmit locations, but their voting system allows things to come inbound from the hip. When my county again built out their P25 network, same deal. They put receivers all over the place, and their point was 90-something percent coverage with just a handheld unit. Did they do that? No, they didn't do that. But that was their goal. So you may be fine with just an antenna in the vehicle, just a set-top antenna. If you want to put an outdoor antenna out there, that's fine, meaning on something on the top of the car. Now, what you have to look out for, though, too, is you said simulcast. Now, if you're going to get into a scanner with simulcast and you're going, or you get into a network with simulcast with P25 and you're going to be mobile, you're not going to be able to cut in, basically, or, or isolate some of the transmitter sites. You'd have a much better job doing that if you left the antenna in the car. This leads us into the world of SDS-100, SDS-200 when you're going to be out and about driving because your reception is always going to change. You're always going to have, as you're driving, right, you're always going to have different kinds of losses and, and, and uh, propagation delays and all these different things that really make a difference when it comes to digital modulations. So you may just want to completely second guess having an outdoor antenna on, the, on your car. I would strongly though say, or strongly say though, take a close look at the SDS 100 or 200, especially if you're mobile in a simulcast environment. I have taken out a 436 and an SDS 100, and let me tell you, hands down, the SDS 100 over the 436 while mobile in a simulcast environment. I'm just going to say that right now. Now, I did help out the 436 though by keeping the antenna indoors, but again. It's this is a new world. So that's where I would go. I would say outdoor antenna only if you had to. Take a look though, a serious look at the SDS 100 or the SDS 200 for your simulcast environment while mobile. You will probably, yeah, it's going to cost you a bit more money, but I think in the end, it's, it'll be worth it for you. All right, Bob, I want to thank you so much for asking your question. All right, our final question comes in from Dylan. Dylan's also asked this question via our contact page at scannerschool.com slash ask. And Dylan's a frequent flyer. So Dylan, thank you so much again for asking another question. Dylan writes in, I'm looking for an SDR antenna. That will be a good choice. Uh, he's looking to get better antenna. He has no clue what to get. So we had to look at your SDR. And the first thing we look at, Dylan, is what is the connector on the end of your SDR? There, there could be different kinds. You could have SMA. You could have MCX. You could have something that's completely different. I don't know. It all depends on what model SDR you have. It also depends on the frequency bands you're looking to pick up. Are you looking to do just VHF, just UHF? Do you just need 800? Why aren't the antennas that came with your SDR working good enough for you? I happen to sometimes use those antennas because, like I said, in my county, I've said a few times here that we have a 500 megahertz layer, and it was built for HT use. So I can receive my county system with just the antennas that came with my SDR. And I mount them on top of a scanner that has a metal plate on it so that it works as the ground plane. It works fine enough. But when I want to listen to the county away from me, or if I want to start listening to the city, or I want to really expand out and pick up some other things, I just run that SDR right to my outdoor antenna. So I have basically a jumper that goes from SMA over to BNC, and that runs into my 
my uh, multi-coupler, which goes up to my antenna. So it's, it all depends on what it is you want to do. And basically, your, your SDR will work with whatever you can plug into it. I have used SDRs with just um, uh, standard SMA antennas that belong on top of a radio. I just put a, a right angle adapter on the SMA, on the, on the SDR, and I just screwed in my SMA antenna onto the top of that as well. And I use a Diamond uh, SR815 or I believe a, a Diamond 915 on that as well. Or you can even use the Diamond RC77CA, I believe RCH77CA, SRH77CA, that's the one, SRH77CA. That one works really well too, but you may need to stabilize that one. That's a pretty big antenna. So in the end, it really depends, Dylan, on what it is that you are looking to receive. I've had, like I said, decent luck with my Diamond antennas, my uh, 815, my 915, or the uh, SRH77CA. And again, you can always plug it into your outdoor antenna. Outdoor antennas, I recommend diamond antennas. I got a link for those on the web on the website as well, scannerschool.com slash D130NJ. That's for a discount antenna. And let us know how you make out. Hopefully that uh, definitely answered your question. All right, guys, stand by one second because we are going to pick a name of a hat. All right, so I want to thank both... Randy and Gregory for asking questions via our voicemail line. Now, again, if you ask a question using SpeakPipe or our local number, this puts you in a running for a free tutoring session. If you want to hire me up to become your tutor for an hour or more, you can go to scannerschool.com tutoring. Now, again, a tutoring session includes coming in via Skype, a recording of the session, and we are working virtually, basically, across the table or across the computer from each other. We don't need to be on camera, though it does help. A screen sharing is definitely in play. That's what we use most of the stuff. And again, I can control yours computer, or you can see me do mine. Or I can guide you and tell you, click here, click there, click over there. And a lot of times, it's done with a lot of Sentinel stuff. We have radios that are programmed up afterwards. Or just bouncing a bunch of questions back and forth, those kinds of things. So... I am going to basically put Gregory and Randy into a spreadsheet. I have picked number one for Gregory, number two for Randy. And what we are going to do is add in a random number generator with a range of one and two into a Google Sheet. And we are going to hit enter, and the answer comes back with number one. So, Gregory, I want to thank you for asking your question. I want to congratulate you, too, on winning a free tutoring session, please reach out to me, phil at scannerschool.com, so that we can schedule a tutoring session and maybe we can get to the bottom as to why your scanner is constantly leaving the dispatch channel. So with that, I want to thank everybody for submitting questions. Again, I do have a nice long backlog of questions, but I definitely put in the voicemail questions to the top of the list. Gregory and Randy asked me their questions this past couple of weeks or a week ago, and uh, they're already in the podcast, whereas some of these questions I'm answering from emails are a couple of months out already. So again, you can ask me your questions at scannerschool.com slash ask. You can find links to what we talked about on this day's podcast at scannerschool.com slash session 150. And also, I remind you that tonight is our live YouTube session on Facebook and YouTube. Can't forget about that as well. Please make sure you share the podcast and make sure you sign up for our email newsletter. Again, thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for answering your questions. We'll talk to you all again next week. My name is Phil Lichtenberger. This is Scanner School, where we teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. 73.